those are really painful because when we grip the wheel so tight on our life, um, we think that we can steer it in the direction that we think it should go, but there's a bigger plan. There's, there's a bigger plan that we don't always see. You know, they've done races and they can't help themselves. They're just going all out right from the start. You better be sure that there was a time in my life where I like hunted that swimmer down and gave him a little kick or a push. Like I Strong confidence in yourself and your ability to be confident with who you are at this time. That was me and Beach, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Welcome to today's show, our first installment of Ask the YTs. This will be a monthly show where we answer questions from you, the listeners, and true creators of our content. So please keep it all coming our way. You can get us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or at yogitriathlete at gmail.com. Shoot us your inquiry and we'll give it our best shot. If you haven't noticed, we had a bye week with the show in lieu of our move, also known as the Ride the High Vibe Tour. We're in Lake Placid now and have been busy connecting with our connections up here to see where we can be of service. And that will start this Monday night at the local mini try. Also, I'll be teaching regular yoga classes up here at the studio at High Peak Cyclery. Word on the street is that this is where the cool yoga is taught. So if you are training up here for the race or coming up for Ironman Lake Placid, definitely join me on the mat for some super cool asana practice. Now, without any further delay, let's dive into the first episode of Ask the Watties. husband and just engaging and connecting and today we're going to hit up a couple listener questions on triathlon but before we're getting a lot of uh, questions about our upcoming tour and how we're doing with things and so I just wanted to give an update on that the last couple days for me have been really intense starting on Friday we recorded a podcast with somebody very close to me and it was really really powerful we dive into some pretty deep subjects uh, and I think during the podcast I was holding back emotion because I just wanted to hold the space for that person to tell their story and I carried that with me and then into that evening we had gone out to dinner with your parents and they came back to the house and they were taking a lot of our final things away from us which is such a big help but because we're down to the final things, it's like they're the most meaningful. It's the things that I love the most, right? The things that I have been unwilling to get rid of so far. And at one point, I brought some stuff out to the car, and I just leaned up against the car and just had to take a breath. I saw my hands. They were shaking. And I know it's just this detachment and the pain, but, you know, how are we doing with all of this? Like, me personally, I'm just riding a lot of waves. But then this morning... I woke up, I had a really rough night last night where I just had the battle of the mind where I just laid in bed for like two plus hours and just watched my mind just spin off. And I laid there and practiced, really practiced yoga and I, I did everything, I did everything. I did, I recited a mantra, I did yoga nidra. I you know just watched my mind completely spin out for hours and borderline panic, like trying to get me to just panic over all the things that still need to be done and all the things that have been done in this podcast, like is it good enough? And just all this stuff started raining down. I woke up this morning 
And um, I received this email from a listener, and I just want to share it because um, it really, it was exactly what I needed. And, um, and it shows me that we are on track, and this is what we're supposed to be doing. So here it goes. The last two days, I expended a lot of time and energy getting ready for a yard sale that was a bust. I missed out on things I loved doing because I was sorting stuff. It was a lot of work for very little return. And at the end of the day, we loaded up about $3,000 worth of clothing and housewares and donated it all. I referred back to your podcast on letting go because I have felt uneasy. I didn't have an emotional attachment to any of the stuff, but it was clear I was having control issues in what I wanted in return for it and how it would be used. Last night at dinner, still feeling uneasy about the hard-earned money just being left at the Salvation Army, I started a discussion with my husband and my 14-year-old about how we can use this as a lesson in what we actually need and being more mindful about purchasing. Then I read your article, and it was a light bulb moment. I feel as though this experience has completely shifted my mind. I'm not sure I will ever look at things the same again. I thought this morning that it's okay if I don't feel 100% wonderful about giving so much away. It's progress and not perfection. And now I know better. I'd honestly rather not even have the stuff than have to make the decision to pitch it. The financial return is 100% that way. I just wanted to thank you. I really didn't think that showing up to a master's swim program was going to evolve my entire way of being, but it did. And this is somebody who has come to the swim program that you are coaching, BJ, and um, that you've been volunteering your time and have grown for the local Boys and Girls Club. And through that, we were connected with this person. And through that, um, she's telling us that her life is evolving. And I know she's actually moving towards a plant-based diet. And um, what I want this person to know and everybody to know is that it's not just about what, what we are giving, but it's um, we're getting so much back from this experience. And it's not easy. There's been a lot of pain. And so um, in this email, there's a few things that I can pull out. It's, you know, expectation. Um, it's trying to control things. And um, those are really painful because when we grip the wheel so tight on our life, um, we think that we can steer it in the direction that we think it should go, but there's a bigger plan. There's, there's a bigger plan that we don't always see. And um, I always remind myself in these moments when you know thousands of dollars worth of items are going out of the house for $25 or for free, I remind myself of what, of what Buddha said. And he said, just give freely always. And then I also remind myself that everything is currency that it's not just the paper money that we use to pay our bills and to buy our clothes and to buy the things that furnish our house but currency is that e is that email message that just paid me back a million times for all the things that i've donated and all the pain that i've gone through and just having the courage to follow this inspiration and make the Ride the High Vibe tour a reality. The teachings of yoga and mindfulness, which come along with that, have really helped me just watch it all unfold, feel the emotions, and know that eventually that wave is going to place me gently on shore again. So how has it been for you? So I've had, I've had quite a different experience, I think, <laughs> seeing you day in and day out. Um, 
experience the the giving away of all these material possessions that we have and i'm not one to just let go as well as we saw i don't think we ever posted that about the medals you know i held on to the medals just an extra day because i just maybe had wanted to keep a few of them but in the end i let them all go so i have no medals whatsoever so for me i think how i tune into these experiences is i just make a shift i'm just all in i even just now like 15 minutes ago you just put a basket together of possessions and i brought them downstairs in the basket and we put them in a plastic bag and as i was putting them from the basket to the bag i'm clumping together clothes and i see uh, i think it was a go light undershirt and i'm like well maybe i'll need that when we're up in plastic because it's going to be cold and i'll need something to sweat in and i was like no nope this is not going to make the journey like we've committed to the pieces or <laughs> we're getting closer to the pieces that we're going to bring and I just put it into the bag. So it's gone, it's in the bag. And I'm okay with that. In addition to all that, I'm also focused on what are the, what are the things that I'm truly grateful to have and that I wanna focus on. And, and those things are starting to come into my vision. So, and I know it's still materialistic, even now, but it's my bike, it's my running shoes, it's my bike clothing, it's my training clothing, it's uh, a headband. <laughs> you know, these are the small things that I know I am going to use over and over again. So for me, I'm really focusing on the items that I'm, gonna, I'm probably gonna use every day. So I'm not as attached to the couch or the wall hangings. Um, and I don't know if I have many personal possessions as much as you did, you know, like your grandmother's necklace and in the fur coat or the fake fur coat yeah the fake fur coat let's make that clear. <laughs> let's clarify um, but that's that's my my view of things yeah um, slightly different than than yours but you and i had had a conversation recently where we we were talking about this and was and um i was telling you how there were times where i would sit in the living room at this house in our house in boulder i would sit in the living room and look around at all our things and just be so happy that I had them all and that I had finally created this house of my dreams and you kind of looked at me very foreign like I've never had that experience so it's it just goes to show that everyone is unique and um, the I just want to say that the video you were referring to about the medals I'll post that in the show notes in case anybody missed missed it that's a really good one and then also in that email um, this person she refers to an article, and I believe that's the article in the Newport Mercury that just came out recently where I was interviewed about this, and I'll post that in the show notes as well. If you missed that article, it's a good one. Um, and uh, we talk about this pain of detachment and um, you know the inspiration for this trip. And I will say, when you were looking around, probably in the house in Boulder, and you looked at all your things, what was I saying previous to that when we didn't have anything. Oh, you were always like, we don't even need furniture. And that used to make me so mad when you, we bought our first place. You were like, we don't even need furniture. We'll just put pillows down and have our bikes set up. So you were always the voice of simplicity um, to an extreme. To an extreme, And yeah, I had sure. to live that piece of my life out. 
I had to live that. I mean, even at this kitchen table that we're sitting at now, I love this table so much. I really do. I love the colors, the chairs. Like the chairs. And, um, but it's going to go, and I'm, and I'm just riding all those waves. So that's the update, you guys. And then let's jump into the questions. So the first question is, what can you do in a race when your mind, and in parentheses it says ego, wants to deviate from the prescribed race strategy, especially when you know it could be to your potential demise? I love this question. I absolutely love it. I get this question very often from athletes and just from you know people interested uh, in grabbing my ear and, and asking me, you know, they've done races and they can't help themselves. They're just going all out right from the start. Or they're in a race and they see a cyclist zoom past them and it's, let's just say, a half, half Ironman. So they've got 56 miles to go and at mile 10, they're going to go hitch on to the cyclist that just went past them. For why? Was it part of their strategy? Probably not. So what can you do? So let's give them real tools as to what you can do in those moments when you're in a race and that person goes by you or the person hits you on the swim. Are you going to go after them? Or the runner is starting out from T2 and you're right with them. Are you going to go at their 7.30 pace, you know, seven-minute pace? you're probably going to explode by the end because it's not prescribed. Yeah, and I'm smiling right now because um, I've been there. Like when you just said the person that hits you on the swim, like you're, you better be sure that there was a time in my life where I like hunted that swimmer down and gave him a little kick or a push. Like I, I described my first couple triathlons as swimming with fists, which might be the first chapter of the book that I'm writing. Um, on the defensive, separating myself from others, and um, going for it like out of reaction and not um, out of skill by any means. Yeah, well, it, it, you're already in a, uh, an environment that's building up anxiety and, and adrenaline and you're flowing and you're, you feel entitled to your space in the water. And not to get too focused on swimming, but you, know, you wanna have your swim that you've been swimming in a pool with lane lines and maybe another person in the lane. Well, guess what? Now you're lumped in with 30, 60, 1,000 people. Yeah, it's completely irrational to think that you're going to have personal space on a swim unless you take the total outside and instead of doing a 1.2-mile swim, you're doing you know, a, a 3.4-mile swim. That's an exaggeration. But some people go way outside. And you know what? After I had my first panic attack, the next swim I did, I made sure I had some space way in the back. But um, if you are, you know, a competitive swimmer, if you're comfortable in that water, get in the mix and understand that you're going to have contact. But it's what do you do with that contact? Do you just let it kind of move through you and you move forward? Or are you the old Jessica that swims up and you try and like now have, you know, like a fight? Right. And you know which way I would recommend. So I, th I think this more comes into play on the bike um, from, from what I can I agree. attest from athletes. and. I can go back to when I did Ironman Arizona and I had a coach that told me, you know, you're going to get out of the, the swim. I really wanted to do well at this race. And he said, this is what you're going to do on the bike. The first 10 to 15 miles, you're going to pedal easy. And this is on a flat course in Arizona. And I did. And I had everybody passing me. And to this day, that's the fastest bike split I've ever had because I let my body 
acclimate to the intensity, slowly build into it, you know, recover from the swim and then settle into my groove and the pace that I had been training at. And let's go back to that. I mean, I had a coach. So the coach knew my paces, knew my ability and prescribed the strategy that I should stick with. So sure, people came by and they would zoom past me and I would see their number or their age, their age on their calf in my age group and I would just let them go. Now, why would I let them go? Yeah, what were you doing in that moment? What was in your head? This is what we need to drill into. What was in your head in that moment when you were letting these guys go by, knowing you could ride just as fast, if not faster than them? What made you keep the pace? I think two things. One, a coach. My coach had a strategy. And he was not a coach. This is uh, Lucho, Tim Lashinsky. And I love Tim. He's not a coach to mess with. Like, I would say, I would be like, I've got to stick to this plan or I'm going to get it. Like yeah. He's he's so good. And um, your coaching style is very, very similar to Tim's. Yeah, I learned a lot from Tim. He was no joke. You he know, was no he, joke. He, and he, he told you how it was. I The first time I met him was Ironman Arizona the year before this race, and I was sitting next to him on the plane, did not know who he was. I sat next to him, and we started talking about the race. And he asked me, how did you do on the marathon? And I said, wow, that was tough. I did over four and a half hours. And he looked at me and he said, well, why do you want to run that long? Why do you want to run that long? And in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't want to run that long. I want to run faster. Obviously, that's his point is, why do you want to run and and extend the time when you should be putting out the effort, train yourself to run faster? get used to it and then and be realistic about the fitness that you have on the bike right right so that's that was my experience with lucho okay so two things you said there was two things one was that you had a coach and what was the second thing like in that moment when those people are going by what's the second thing oh i i think i was in a space where i was confident in what my ability was i knew that if i stuck to this pace and i had done it in training that i would be able to run to my ability if I stuck here. If I go above this pace on the bike, I knew I would be compromising or potentially compromising my entire race. So you you have an ability, I think you've always had this ability to stay in the truth. Like, okay, I could go as fast as them, but I'm not, I'm gonna compromise my ability to run. Like you knew you were, because your run really shot through the roof that year, um, working with him. and um, And so you really wanted to show that, right? So it's, are you saying that like you kept you kept the goal in mind? What's the goal, right? Is it that moment of catching up and passing that person? What's your goal? What's your what's your yeah, motivation? What does that prove? So I caught up to this guy. He passed me. I caught up to him, and I passed him. Great, awesome. Now what? Yeah. Now what? When you have a hundred and forty mile race to go, and you're, you know, fifteen miles into the race. Yeah. I just don't want to train and invest in my lifestyle sport, which is triathlon, all this time and energy and fun and happiness to then get to the race and just throw that all out the window. Like everything is building up to this moment in the race. Even your training from day one all the way through, every every set you do in the pool, every um, bit of nutrition you take in is towards this end race goal. So why are you going to screw so it why up? going to screw it because up? Because that... that- voice in your head which is the voice of the ego 
which is not aligned with who you truly are or even aligned with the potential that you have as an athlete, why would you listen to that? I don't know. So what are some tools that um, this person can use? Um, I'm going to say everyone who's listening who's an athlete because it's probably just not this listener because I've had to deal with it, you've had to deal with it. I still have to deal with it sometimes. But now, just like last night when I had the battle of the mind in my bed, I let it go on without my participation, right? But that's training day in and day out, training my mind day in and day out. That's what I do now. So what could um, what's the first step here? So I... I truly believe that having um, a strong confidence in yourself, in your ability to be confident with who you are at this time is, to me, is, is a pretty important step. You know, I personally wasn't that confident, I don't think, growing up in sports. Somehow I have become confident. I don't know where that happened or uh, I can't pinpoint it. But what I can say is, I'm confident with who I am, who BJ is as an athlete, as a coach, as as a person, that when I get to the race, I've done what I know I can do. Now, do I not push myself and try to exceed my, my goals or to try and improve and get better? Yeah, I try to improve and get better, but there is, there is a, a scope around that, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you do push yourself, but... I've seen you race seven Ironmans now, and I see you push yourself um, in different ways. I see you push yourself on the swim, which was not a natural sport for you, and so putting yourself in a very uncomfortable situation, not having personal space, and pushing yourself there. I've seen you push yourself on the bike in holding yourself back, because that takes the same amount of will and discipline as it does to what I've seen you do on the run, which is push yourself to run. I mean, in Lake Placid, you're running in the 320s, I mean, that's super impressive to be able to do that after such a monstrous bike. So it's pushing yourself is not just always like going as hard as you can, like pushing yourself is testing your limits all across the board. And making progress, because to go back to that, the comment that we had, the feedback for letting go is progress, not perfection. So I think I know down the road, after countless workouts, countless races, countless years, I know I will achieve my end goal. Like I, I'm, I'm invested in this. I'm not gonna go out and you know, blow up on, in one race because it's just one race. What is my goal? What is my focus? And I always try to bring my athletes back to that. What is your goal? What is your focus? And stick to it. Sure, I mean, you can go out and race and try and you know, blow it out of the park right from the start. But is that how you trained? Is that how I trained you? Probably not. So so having confidence in yourself. Having confidence. I also think meditation. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about meditation. And maybe, um, this is just coming to me, I don't want to take your words, but um, pairing a mantra in those moments, like coming up with a mantra that's going to help you in those moments when your ego is... Um, you know, beating you down and telling you to push when you know you shouldn't push. So a mantra that could be as easy as stick to the plan, stick to the plan, stick to the plan, right? And just giving your mind that to focus on. Yeah, meditation is a great one. I think in meditation, things become a lot clearer. Oh, yeah. So you have time to sit with yourself and you're figuring out why do I need to go past that person? 
you don't have any idea who that person is. You have no idea about what his training plan has been like. You don't know how much experience he has, how many years he's been doing this. You don't know what, what he did last weekend. Yeah, and you don't know if you're going to see him walking on the run. Right. Which I see so many fit people walking on the run. But, um, but meditation, I think, is, is, is really key in quieting the mind and, and really focus in on yourself. You know, I focus on, and I'm bringing this back to myself a lot, but I focus in on what is the race course. You know, I do my due diligence and check out the race course, whether that's through video online, and I run it over in my head. And I continually only see myself in these instances. I don't look, see other competitors or passing me. I, I only think about myself and how well am I going to handle myself. And visualization training. is very, very powerful because what visualization does is that it, um, it trains your subconscious to, because there's no difference. The subconscious doesn't know when it's July 24th and the race gun goes off or if you're sitting in your quiet space and you're visualizing the race. It doesn't know the difference. So if you're visualizing yourself, especially if you know the course, and anybody who's racing Ironman like Placid, um, I have a guided visualization for that course. This is one that I've done uh, many, many times. And what happens is you get there on race day and your subconscious goes, oh yeah, I've been here, we've done this, okay, let's go do it. And that doesn't mean that it might not pour down rain and that doesn't mean that you know, the, um, the time on the clock is gonna be the exact one. It doesn't, there's no guarantees, but it will help you set yourself up for success more than not doing it. And there's been studies with athletes that have shown that when you see yourself doing it in advance of the actual event, you do actually have more success on that day. And remove the expectations or the, remove the things that you cannot control, weather. Who, I have no control over what the weather is going to be like that day. All I know is that I train for the swim, I train for the bike, and I train for the run. Whatever happens that day, I'll be prepared. I'll have the rain gear, whatever you need. But I have myself and I have my fitness, and it's going to get me whatever that time is. I'm not going to worry about so what happens, I can't control. What happens um, at the race this year when you're on your bike and you're sticking to your plan and um, that guy goes by you? and he's in your age group, and let's say, let's even make it a little bit more juicy. Let's say you're getting towards the end of the bike, right? So maybe this guy's been holding back, and now he's catching you, or maybe you were just a stronger swimmer. You don't know. So if that ego creeps up, which it might, right? You're human. Uh, what are you going to do in that moment? I, me personally, I stick to my plan. I know, I know that when we get to the run, I've got my run strategy paced out and I should have the best run that I'm capable of. And whatever that result is. It's the truth. It's the truth. That's is the, the truth. thing. And the disappointment around the finish time, like forget about it, drop it. That's self-induced suffering. The truth of your fitness, the truth of the conditions on the day is the truth. And there's no way around it. But what is not true or should be questioned at a very high level is that voice in your head that wants you to push it when you know you shouldn't, that wants you to be better than or less than someone, that wants you to go after them on the swim because they kicked you by mistake, and you know, unless it was me 10 years ago, I might have kicked you on purpose, um, and just be on high alert for that voice, right? So the more you can be on high alert, 
the, the more you listen to it, the tighter you bind yourself to it. The more you um, don't listen to it, now don't push it away, don't get angry at it because that's the same energy, so that doesn't do any good. But go to a mantra, go to the pedal stroke you're in, go to what your goal, what is your goal, what have you seen in your visualizations? And it should be an even keel day. You should have not higher emotions or low emotions and you should not have a high heart rate and a low heart rate. It should be a steady flow throughout the whole day. Yeah. And that will keep things tied in mentally, physically, emotionally and that will get you successful. And I, I think believe. that's where meditation really comes in because meditation takes care of that. Like you don't you don't really have to do um, any work around staying neutral because just the practice of meditation helps you ride things closer to the line. So um, anything else on that? So you're saying just having confidence in yourself and again, have confidence in yourself because you're seeing the truth of where you are and embracing that. You know, meet yourself where you're at. Right. You're, you're meeting people out there who may be running faster than you, but they may have been doing the sport longer and they were where you were four or five years ago. Yeah. Or maybe they're just natural born runners like you, BJ, you're a natural born runner. If anybody has seen this guy run, it's, it's just, it's this amazing biomechanic gift. You know, if anybody watches me run, there's craziness going on, but that's, I, I work through it and that's my run. And, um, it's the best that I can do every time I'm out there. It's the best that I can do. And um, I can't wish for any different. Um, it's relative to me. Right. And I wasn't always I wasn't always a runner. I mean, you know, I've failed at races. I've pushed it on the bike. and. Yep. Yeah, so you've done this. You've pushed I've, it on the bike, fallen apart on the run. Yep. Um, and um, there's one thing that you always say about um, biking and running. Bike for show, <laughs> run for dough. And I just used this yesterday <laughs> as we went out on our... 90 mile ride and then we um and then we did a run afterwards so i it's it's what i truly believe in i i you make yourself a runner and that's where that's where things happen you know i could be wrong um i think there's a very very limited number of instances where somebody has gone out on the bike and crushed the race entirely there's there's been some instances but there's been far far less Right. Than people who are just holding steady to their plan, you know anything can happen. But hold steady to your plan, and um, and then just rip it on the run. So again, I think what we're talking about here is longer distance triathlon, where you really need to pace yourself. You know, sprint distance, you're, you're just all out from start to finish, right? Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Just go. You're pegged, red line, um, and go for it. But with the longer distance stuff, you really start to, you got to get a look at your plan and stick to it. All right, so let's move on to the next question. All right, this is from somebody who is training for their first half Ironman. And I don't think that this is one of your athletes that you're training. Is that correct? No, it's not. Okay. All right. I'm training for my first half Ironman. I need help with my nutrition. Basically, some days I eat, some days I don't. The days I don't, my body feels depleted and I don't feel like I recover very well. On the other hand, the days I do eat can leave me feeling sick. My question is, what should I eat? When should I eat? And how can I do this skillfully on the bike without crashing? Wow. All right. So, so pretty, there's a lot here. Lot, lot, <laughs> yes, you, do, you do need help. You do need help. Yes. We're here for you. And I've heard this before. So, um, I've heard the crashing on the bike before too. I've heard the not eating and then eating too much. And then not eating, I've heard people talk about, I just want to burn calories and, and lose some weight. And 
that to me is a little yeah the lifestyle is going to take care of that yeah just just keep training but you need fuel when you're on your training um, workouts so what i like to do is uh number one is start recording everything that you do during a training session so you need to start with uh, you need to stop guessing what you need and you need to start finding out what is working so you go out for a 60 minute run what did you have an hour before your run? What did you have during the run? And what did you have an hour after the run? Yeah, and if you're and if you're working with a coach, this is good place to put like in your in your notes. Like if your coach, like I think, well, I know BJ because you're my coach. You've always got a place for athlete notes. So um, so this would be a good place to put in the athlete notes so that the coach is now seeing it too, right? Because then you're getting that outside perspective in case there's something that you can't see. Right. And, and there's and the point of writing it down is not only to give us a baseline, but also people tend to confuse what they actually do with what they thought they did. So an athlete will say, oh, yeah, I hydrated extremely well on, on the workout. And I'm like, well, what did you take in? And like, well, I, had a, I think I had a water bottle of water. Yeah, I wouldn't put that in the extremely well category <laughs> and you went out for a two and a half hour ride like that to me does not uh, that screams red flag so i think getting the athlete in tune with what they're actually doing like documenting what they're what they're taking in and so all right let's go back here so she needs help with or he needs help with their nutrition some days they eat some days they don't so highly recommend you eat and i highly recommend you do something before your workout an hour or two before even if it's uh, a run, I'll, I'll explain to my athletes or give them the recommendation of drinking 20 ounces of water. Let's just get you hydrated because they potentially had just had coffee, maybe breakfast, and then they're going to go head out for their run. Right, which what we've learned about coffee is that when you drink it on an empty stomach, we just learned this doing a little research for you, um, that it creates or you produce a lot of hydrochloric acid in the gut. And that's not going to feel good when you're running. So an internal flush like uh, is really good. But we always, we go in and out of this, but waking up and having that 10 ounce glass of water with lemon in it is a great way to start your day. You do an internal rinse. If you drink coffee, have your coffee and then um, even hydrate more after that. That's what you're saying. Like mm -hmm. hydrate even more before you go out for your run. Yeah. Why not start hydrated? If you have to stop and go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. But I think that's also a good thing because if you're talking about, I mean, even Olympic distance, I think um, this is relevant where you're getting off the bike and um, now you're running and you got to get used to that sloshy stomach, right? Yeah, yeah. And decide whether you need to take anything in or just let that sloshy stomach work its way out and then take something in. But the only way you can do that is through training and practicing your nutrition. So training's not just swim, bike, run. No, training is absolutely training includes nutrition. It should be, it should be your priority because you can get yourself fit. But what can totally dismantle your day is having cramps, or throwing up, or feeling sick. Um, so nutrition is is extremely key. So I recommend you know two hundred, three hundred calories an hour during your training. And Between eating liquids, and drinking. solids, yeah. And, and I say start with 15 minutes. Every 15 minutes, take something in. I personally have gone from a, a regimented nutrition pattern that I actually taped to the uh, headset of my bike so I knew when I had to take fuel in because fueling on the bike 
is your primary source of where you get everything in. But we're also talking training here, so um, you want to practice this. Yeah, keep it simple. That's another thing Lucho had given me is just keep it simple. Don't overthink it. You know, start with something really basic and just start from there. Take in water, shift between water and your performance drink every 15 minutes. See what happens. What do I mean see what happens? Well, ride whatever workout you have and then try to run and see how you feel. I would steer away from the more solid peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Oh, the stuff that comes out of the special needs bags halfway through. We volunteered at special needs. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen Quiznos Hoagies, subs. yes. Yeah. We've seen um, lots of Hostess products. None of, none of these things are food, number one. If they're not food, then they're definitely not fuel. And um, your body's going to be in complete distress just trying to figure out how to digest it. So keep it simple. It's all unique to the, to the athlete. Some people have ironclad stomachs. You know, I ride with some people that they have ironclad stomachs. It doesn't matter what they put in, they're still going to run the same pace or they're still going to have the same workout. For me, I feel like I have a very, not sensitive stomach, but my stomach can, can fight back at me. So I try to keep things super simple and I only use two or three things throughout the whole day and that's worked for me. But how have I gotten to this point? I practiced it. Yeah, so, um, okay, so going back to this, I'm just looking, and it is, um, it is a man that sent, that, sent this in. Okay. Um, so yeah, your body feels depleted and you don't recover well on the days you don't eat, yes. I mean, that's just your body telling you that it needs food. Right, and then um, on the days that you feel sick, then you got to get this stuff documented. What did you do? What was the timing? And and what was the sickness? Was it bloating? Was it I'm gonna throw up? Like those are the quality of that too. Is because the bloating and the cramping and the pain is telling you that you've created a battlefield in your belly. So that could be a combi that could be food combining. That's a lot of different things. But also it could be the intensity that you're working out, which is above what you are probably fit for. So oh, yeah. we found about we found out about this when I had cramps and side stitch. You know, I looked through all nutrition. I tried I went, worked with a nutritionist, and I got on a, a pretty set nutrition plan. And when it all came down to it, for me, it came to I was pushing too hard at an effort that I was not properly trained for, and therefore I would cramp up. So it's just documenting these instances. What pace were you running? What was your heart rate? And it gets a very it gets very detailed, but it's the only way to truly discover what's going to work for your unique situation, body type, uh, conditions, and that's where you need to start. So it's it's really documenting documenting what you're taking in. Yeah. So I think we got the what should you eat. I mean, keep it simple and try different things and document it. When should you eat? Like that's your regimen. That's my same one. I do 10 minutes every 10 minutes. I'm drinking something and I'm not doing like huge hauls off my water bottle. I'm doing, you know, taking it in more consistently. And, um, and then every 45 minutes I'm eating. For me, it's every 45 minutes. I'll do a half of Amrita bar on the bike. And then once I get to the run, I'm using um, gels. And actually we just started using, um, a gel that uh, came from Brendan Brazier, right? Yeah, his book Thrive. So this gel I just started using, and I, I'm thinking I'm going to use it in Lake Placid. I, I personally like to use what's on course because it's easier and I don't like to carry anything, which I'm sure a lot of people can feel the same. But this this concoction is super simple. It's 
four dates. The recipe is on his website. So four dates, um, lemon zest, lime zest, and uh, agave nectar. And it's super simple to make in a, in a Vitamix. And I've been fueling up with my, um, or filling up with uh, my fuel belt flasks, gel flasks. And I'll have two of them and I'll get one at special needs and I'll have one out of T1 or out of T2 and sip, sip on those. Yeah. And it's, um, it's different for everyone. So, um, I'll probably use that gel concoction too, because I'm just getting a little tired of what's on the course. I'm just a little tired of these products. Um, so I like this making it with whole foods and, um, but like for me, when I leave, uh, T2, I'm going with the banana. Like I have a banana right before the run, um, which the banana was my complete demise at Ironman Coeur d'Alene in 2008 because I ate way too many on the bike. Took me a little while to get back to being able to eat bananas, but it's worked like a charm to come out of T2, eating the banana, and then like I'm good for like 45 minutes to an hour on the run. And I always find that I take in so much less than I think I'm gonna take in on the run. And again, that's knowing your body, knowing how you feel, and so training with the nutrition so that um, I've done the rookie moves where I stick to the plan even though like I know I shouldn't take this gel. I just did it in Ironman Cozumel. I know I shouldn't take this last gel. Like I'm not hungry. I don't need it. My belly is full and I took it and then suffered. So it's being flexible, but you, but to be flexible and to be skillful at being flexible is to train, 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 train with your nutrition, um, you know, and get to know your body so that you know those telltale signs, you know, but there's going to be times that, you know, after 10 years, I pulled a rookie move and that's just going to happen. But I'm here today. Um, I survived and that's that. And you're an Ironman again. Yeah. And um, let's see. And then, okay, here's the last one. How can you do this skillfully on the bike without crashing? And I've heard this a lot. I mean, a lot of people have come to me like, but, you know, especially when they first get their tri bike, like I don't drink anything on the bike because I'm so scared to reach down and I'm going to crash. And um, so let's get your input on that. So if you have a trainer, I think step one is just practice on the trainer. Very stationary, safe environment. Reach down, grab your bottle, pretend you're outside, pick your head up, drink what you need to do, and then put it back down. And knowing where your bottle cages are is that practice. So now you're getting used to whereabout it is on your down tube or behind your seat even. Then next step is to take it outside on a safe road, safe conditions, maybe in a group some friends around that can sort of protect you a little bit and start playing with slowly reaching around behind you, grab the bottle, take a sip, put it back. Uh, use the other arm, find out which arm is more stable, left arm, right arm. Uh, one is gonna have to be away from the bars at, at, a, at one point in time. So you wanna see what's working for you while watching the road. Yeah, Which so practice key. practice is what's going to bring the skill. So this person wanted to know, how do I skillfully do it? That's going to be practice. Um, and then I just want to um, chime in here on the fear. So if you're, if you're fearful that you're going to crash, if you're um, fearful that you're going to lose control of the bike, I can tell you that there's no better way to do those things than to be fearful of them. And so um, how do you work with that fear? It's as simple as, okay, I'm gonna go for a sip now, let me take a breath. 
So just recalibrate. Every breath is a moment to begin again. And this is the same energy really like as the ego. It's just, it's not helpful to you. It's, um, it's not loving. It's not uh, an essence of who you truly are. So take the breath, recalibrate, and then reach down, feel the bottle. It's not a race, you know, at this point, you know, re feel the bottle, pull it out, you know, get stable and, um, and just watch that fear. Cause uh, I've said this before, but that's the fear that keeps you from living. And it's certainly the fear that keeps you from drinking and taking in the nutrition that you need um, to fuel your run and to recover your body so that you can continue this sport for years to come in a really healthy manner. Yeah, practice, practice, practice. Yeah. And there's different options for hydration. There's the rare hydration, the down tube hydration, and then you can even put it right in front of your face, right between your handlebars. Yep. If you want. So there are options out there. I, I encourage you to explore all options and just practice. Yep. So I think all of it, practice with the ego, you guys, practice watching it, be on high alert, practice with your nutrition, um, you know, practice your, your strategy, practice the visualization of your race, you know, practice, practice, practice equals mastery. And isn't that what all of us athletes truly want to be masters? Yeah, we want to dial it in. We want to be, we're overachievers. Yeah. You know? So, all right. I think we did it, babe. Awesome. Thanks so much for sending in the questions, you guys. And um, yeah, signing off. Keep sending them. We'd love to answer them in future podcasts. So continue to ride the high vibe, everyone. Heck yeah. Episode 6 of the YTP. Join us next week for another installment. We have some interviews banked, and the hardest part is deciding which norm breaker to bring you next. Stay tuned, keep listening, and sharing with your friends. And if you haven't already, please leave a review on iTunes. That would really help us out. We're constantly educating ourselves, receiving feedback, and putting it all into action in an effort to make this a great show for you. We appreciate your support and encourage you always to ride the high vibe all the time, no matter what, especially when you don't want to.